Hey, thanks for tuning in to this podcast. We would love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. We encourage you to send us your story by visiting our new website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. Hallelujah. Good morning. That, that was adorable, by the way. Wasn't, <laughs> I just love that. I love that this church just honors families, honors children, and that's really such a value here. Um, and what a powerful time of worship, too. That was just amazing. It, it, I just feel blessed to be here this morning. You guys feel blessed to be here this morning? I, I go to a different church every Sunday. I preach in a different church every Sunday. This one's fun because it's in my backyard. I live about 10 minutes away. Usually I have to drive a few hours, but this one's fun. And I just, let me tell you, there's something special here. There really is. If you're a member of this church, this is a special church. Just to have that, that depth and that power of worship and that emphasis on family. I've gotten to know Pastor Tony over the past few months and I've just really come to respect him as a man of great vision, as, as just a, a passionate man who loves Jesus. And, uh, and so it's just, it's a privilege for me to be here today. It really is. So thanks for having me. Uh, I'm excited to share. I, I've had a, I've had a crazy couple weeks, actually. The past couple weeks have been crazy for me. I just got back from Uganda. Um, and I can actually, I can show you what we were doing in Uganda. If you go to the next slide. So this is what we were doing in Uganda. We had a, uh, we had a big gospel meeting called a crusade. Um, and, and the, sorry, camera people hate me. You might as well just, just not try. <laughs> we had a we had a big crusade in in the middle of the biggest re- UN refugee camp in the world um called Bidi Bidi in northwestern Uganda it houses a quarter of a million um, South Sudanese refugees. So we got to go in and just preach Jesus and, and worship. And it was just an amazing time. We had a few thousand people show up and, uh, it, it was just a blessed time. So I'll tell you my favorite testimony, uh, from, from those days in the crusade. It was actually, I, I was preaching a lot of the crusade and stuff, but I also had some other preachers with me. So one time when someone else was preaching, I went out into the camp and I just started praying for the sick and just, and just going to visit people in their huts. They all live in little grass huts, you know. So going to visit people in their huts and just bringing Jesus to them. And, but when I came back, um, I walked into where we were having the crusade. And this armed guard, he's carrying an AK-47, right? He's, but he's guarding our meeting. He runs up to me with this huge smile on his face. And he says, I'm born again! And I said, that's great, man. What were you before? He said, I was Muslim, but now I'm born again. And that, that was my favorite moment from the crusade, just seeing the sheer, pure joy in his face after having met the true God, Jesus Christ. It was absolutely beautiful. So another thing we were doing in Uganda, we would do that in the evenings. And then during the daytimes, we would go into the neighboring city of Yumbe, um, which is most of Uganda is Christian, actually, but this city is almost totally Muslim. Um, it houses a tribe called the Oranga tribe, and they're the only unreached people group in Uganda. Um, so we got to go in there, and, and this tribe actually has a pretty crazy history. Uh, if you know who Idi Amin was, um, he was like the dictator of Uganda in the 70s, and this tribe was basically his hitmen. Right? So they, when he was in power, they killed lots of Christians. When he got kicked out of power, a lot of Christians took revenge on them. So there's, there's some bad blood. In fact, the Ugandan Assemblies of God were hesitant to even go in. Um, they said, you know, it's known as a hostile area. You guys should think about it. That's why we actually wanted to have the crusade in this town. Uh, but they said, let's do the crusade there and just go minister in the town. So we agreed to that. Uh, but we went into the town 
during the daytime and just, it was amazing. Like, so God orchestrated it so perfectly. The first day we went in, I, I just said, pull the truck over. I want to talk to these guys. So we pulled the truck over. I started talking to these guys. One of them was a Muslim. Um, and I just started sharing Jesus with him. I prayed for him. The Holy Spirit touched him, right? But then a whole crowd started gathering. Um, and so this is just the beginning of the crowd. It, it got much bigger. And so we were just standing there. We started passing out Bibles. These are all Muslims. We started passing out Bibles. We started preaching the gospel on the streets. And man, they were so excited to get a Bible. They, I mean, we didn't know what to expect, right? Because we, we were told they, they have a history of being hostile. Man, these people were so hungry for truth. It was absolutely beautiful. So we couldn't hand out Bibles fast enough. Um, we got to preach. We got to pray, pray for people. And the one Muslim guy that I had prayed for, he like wouldn't leave my side. He was right here. Everywhere I went, he was right here. So if you go to the, that's him right there. So, if, so finally I look at him and I said, you want, you want to accept Jesus, don't you? You want to know Jesus? He said, yes, I do. So in front of all these Muslims, right, just with everyone looking, he prays to accept Jesus. And another Muslim girl that was standing next to him prayed along with us. Um, so it was just, it was an amazing time. It was, and this was right out in front of the central mosque. <laughs> like, I didn't plan that. I just wanted to talk to these two guys. But, <laughs> but God planned it. It was right out in front of the central mosque of the city. And so we had one, a couple guys from the mosque come out and start handing out Korans and shouting, I love Allah and different things. But, but man, people didn't even care about them. They didn't want to talk to them. They wanted to, they wanted to hear about Jesus. So it was absolutely beautiful. The next, um, the next day we got invited right next door was a, a Muslim school, a high school. So we got to go into this school and pass out Bibles in the classrooms. We got to preach the gospel in the classrooms. We got to um, read John three sixteen in their language and just share what that meant and share who Jesus is. And, and man, these kids, we could barely hold them back. They wanted Bibles so bad. And we ended up running out because there were so many students. So we gave the last few to the teachers and, uh, and, and we were gonna get, getting ready to leave. But two girls ran up to me and they said, we didn't get a Bible. We want Bibles. We want to be Christian. We don't want to be Muslim anymore. Can you please get us Bibles? We promise we'll read them every night. I mean, it was just, it was amazing. So they, so they came to Jesus. A couple other people came to Jesus in the school. Um, and that was really the most exciting part for me was in that town, just seeing what God was doing. So now we're actually, there was a, there was a young man who came with us on the trip. And he, he was in Bible college, he was a Ugandan man. Um, and so I started talking to him and I said, listen, man, I just, he's an ex-Muslim. He has a great spirit. I just love the kids. So I said, listen, if you come up here and plant a church, I'll help you. And so he said, yeah, let's do it. So we're going to be planting a church in this totally Muslim city in Northwestern Uganda. So, and that's just one thing that God is doing. God is doing incredible stuff all over the world. I'm excited to share with you. Um, one of the things, before I pray, one of the things that I do uh, is I do Christian hip-hop and spoken word. Uh, you, guys, you guys like spoken word? Yeah? You guys want to hear a spoken word? All right, I'll do a spoken word before I, before I get to the message. This spoken word is called, I thirst. Okay, gather around. Just listen for one minute, sir. I'd like to take a second and tell you two simple words. See, these words perfectly describe my life's problems since birth. Every fight in my life comes from two little words. These words describe the answer to the question of why. The problem of addiction is defined in two words at one time. I 
thirst. I thirst. See, these two words hold so much power. These words are the reason that drugs are devoured. It's our lust after power. It's why men purchase sex for an hour and leave a human being there to cry in the shower. I thirst. See, me, I remember this sensation. Demanding pleasure now, the opposite of patience. This crazy sensation that I was born innate with like windows on a Dell came with pre-installation and I hate it. Relations with women never seem to quench this thirst. And when I put my hope in people, man, it just left me worse. It's like I'm riding through life, driving my own hearse. Living for a high. Or to die. Whichever came first, I thirst. I thirst for acceptance. I thirst after something and the thirst is relentless. I don't know what I search for, but the search is just endless. And the more that I try, the more that I'm desperate. Desperate for life, desperate for meaning, desperate for anything that seemed to complete me. So from weed to mushrooms to LSD, from cocaine to pain pills to ecstasy, and man, I promised it would never get the best of me. But it left me empty, dead, and addicted to everything. I thirst. I'm just saying. Man, I searched for the cure. There was no way to tame it. Because this thirst that just burned was a thirst for my maker, for a love relationship, to know my creator, for the presence of God. And for the love of a savior, I thirst. And I didn't know at that time, but that savior was Christ. And see, he took this thirst when he purchased my life. And as he hung there bleeding, mocked and despised, he said two little words to help explain why. See, these words did not just describe a physical sensation. It was the first time my Savior felt the pain of separation. When my Christ said these words, it was a spiritual revelation of the pain that billions of people every day are faced with. He was separated. For the first time in infinity. And the only pain that broke him was the same pain that was killing me. But he took this thirst as he bought my forgiveness. And as he died, he looked up at the sky and he whispered. I thirst. I give up my spirit. It's finished. So that's a little example of what I do as far as spoken word and hip-hop. I have CDs on the way out. You can pick them up. I'm just by donation. But I want to get to what I want to say. Amen? Let's pray. I need Jesus. <laughs> I, I need Jesus to brush my teeth, man. I need, Je- <laughs> I need Jesus for everything. God. <sighs> Father, I just thank you for what you're doing in this church. God, I thank you for for just the way that you're moving here, for what you're developing here, Father. And Jesus, above all, I thank you that we don't have to be thirsty anymore. God, I thank you that you paid a price so that we don't have to thirst anymore. So that we don't have to be empty anymore. So that we don't have to feel incomplete anymore. God, that you paid that price to set us free. Father, if there's anyone in here who's feeling empty, who's feeling incomplete, God... And in that place that I was for all those years, Father, I pray that you would speak to their hearts today, God. Hmm. Move in this place this morning. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. So you guys heard a little bit in the spoken word, but do you guys want to hear my testimony? All right. My testimony is that I am 100% totally, perfectly loved by God. That's it. That's, it. That's my testimony. I'm his son. Like, I've been adopted as a son. I'm a co-heir with Christ. The Bible says he's given me a spirit of adoption as a son by whom I can cry, Abba, Father. He's my dad, right? That word Abba, I love the word Abba because it's, it's in Aramaic. It's like the most intimate term for dad. It's like daddy, right? He's, he's, he's that close to me. He's my father. Like, there's nothing I can do to make him love me less. There's nothing I can do to make him love me more, right? Like, I'm just perfectly loved by God. That's my testimony. (laughs) That's my identity, right? My testimony is that I am a 100% born again, spirit-filled, surrendered, on fire follower of Jesus Christ. That's my testimony. My testimony is that I was thirsty and now I'm not thirsty anymore. (laughs) See, I used to be a drug dealer. That's not my testimony. Now, you don't understand. I was was an addict. I was addicted to everything from, from weed to cocaine to ecstasy to pain pills. I was hopeless, right? Hopeless in this world. My probation officer gave up on me. My drug counselor gave up on me. My probation officer told me, you are going to be in prison for the rest of your life or dead. I give up. And he gave me to a different probation officer. <laughs> That's not my testimony. I've been arrested for armed robbery. I have multiple felonies on my record. I've been incarcerated three times. It's not my testimony. Some of you guys have been getting your testimony wrong. When we sing that song, we will overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. You ain't going to overcome because you used to be an addict. The Bible says that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is what? Gone. And behold, the new has come. That's my testimony. See, when I say that's not my testimony, I don't mean I didn't go through it. I went through it. But that guy who did those things, right? Who, who sold drugs, who, who got people hooked on drugs for his own personal gain. That guy died. <laughs> Nine years ago. And it has absolutely no effect on my identity today. That is my testimony, right? That's the gospel. (laughs) I was dead, Jesus died, and now I'm alive. The gospel... The gospel is, is, is much more simple than we understand. The gospel is incredibly simple. Right? We overcomplicate it. The gospel is so simple that we've had to hire a lot of highly paid professionals to come in and overcomplicate it for us. But the reality is, is that the gospel is so simple that a child can understand it, right? These kids up here, right? In fact, it's so simple that only a child can understand it. 
And sometimes we put kids down. That's why I love seeing this, them up on the stage dancing. Sometimes we put kids down and we say, once you're older, once you can understand like me, then you can be saved. (laughs) It's like that time in the Bible where Jesus says, don't let the little child come to me. Oh, wait, no, that doesn't exist, right? It's the opposite, right? There's a story in the Bible that I love. And it's when Jesus, his 12 disciples had just done a bunch of miracles. He just done a bunch of awesome stuff. So, so they're starting to get a little bit, a little bit prideful and they're arguing amongst themselves. Who's the greatest, right? So then they have the genius idea. Let's ask Jesus, right? Like they say there are no stupid questions, but (laughs) that's a stupid question. Jesus, who's the greatest, right? So Jesus looks at his 12 choices. He sees his 12 disciples and, and, and they're saying out of us 12, pick one. Who's the greatest? And then he sees this kid standing off to the side. And the Bible says he placed him in the midst of them. So he took this kid, he brought him over, he put him with the 12. Now he has 13 to choose from. He says, this kid. (laughs) He's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. He says, unless you can become like this kid, brother, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Unless you can become like this child, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Because children have an amazing way of simply believing. When I was childlike faith, right? When I was a kid, my dad told me there was a Santa Claus, right? He lied to me. Okay? All the kids are gone, but I can say that. He lied to me. Right? Oh, there's one kid. Sorry, he didn't lie to me. <laughs> Thought they were all gone. <laughs> but I believed it. Because my daddy told me. Right? Kids have an amazing way of simply believing and accepting the free gift, right? And we have this hard time. We want to earn it. We want to strive. And we have a hard time just believing that when Jesus said it is finished, he meant that it is finished and we don't have to do anything else. But that's the gospel. The gospel is that we were dead, but then Jesus died and now we're alive. I met Jesus my third time locked up. Uh, I was just in for a few weeks for a probation violation, but my cellmate invited me to go with him to the chapel. So I had nothing better to do. So I went to the chapel (laughs) and, and there was a band in this chapel and they were playing worship music and they were doing their thing. No one talked to me. No one preached. No one prayed for me, but I just began to think, I don't want this life anymore. Like I, the, the drugs, the money. I don't want, I certainly don't want jail. (laughs) I just want to be free. I just want to be free. And in that moment of of what we call repentance, right? I wanted to turn away. And in that moment, I just had an encounter with Jesus that wrecked me in the, in the best possible way. Right. And uh, I could literally just feel the Holy spirit just coursing through my entire body, just like heat and warmth and power and love just running through my entire body. And so I'm in, I'm in, I'm in jail. And I realized when I felt that presence, I realized that's what I had been searching for. That every high was a cheap imitation of the joy that we can have in the presence of God. See, the devil is not creative. He's not a creative being. He only imitates. 
So every high was just a cheap imitation of the joy and the ecstasy that we're supposed to experience in oneness with God. So when I felt his presence for the first time, I said, that's it. That's what I've been searching for. And I knew that I had to get on my knees. So I got on my knees in a prison chapel. And and I was on my knees for like 20 minutes. I totally forgot where I was. I was just like lost in reconciliation with my father. And while I was on my knees, I had a vision of Jesus. And my eyes were closed, right? But I had this very vivid picture of Jesus in my mind. And Jesus came to me and, and he said one thing, one sentence. See, I always believed that God existed. But I thought that if, you know, if, if he did exist, I didn't know it was Jesus. I didn't know who it was. But if he did exist, he certainly hated me. Right? But there was none of that when Jesus came. All he did, it was only love. There was only grace. All he did was he stretched out his hand and he said, are you ready? Are you ready? There was only an invitation. And, and that's what I love about Jesus, man, is he looks through our mess, right? He's not blind. He's, he saw everything that I had done, but he looks through it and he sees the value that he created us to have. Right? And he said, are you ready? And I said, yes. And when I stood up, I was different. And listen, I never like started believing in Jesus and tried to be better. That's not, I never experienced religion, right? I never experienced like, here's a list of rules, try to be better. That's not, that's not my experience with Jesus. Jesus found me and I could not stay the same. (laughs) I literally couldn't stay the same. I had a new heart. All of a sudden, the things that used to be fun to me, I hated. My life changed very rapidly. Within one year, I was in Bible college. Not only was I in Bible college, I was elected president of my class in Bible college. Within one year of my last time in jail, okay? That's crazy. Only Jesus can do that. Hallelujah. That's where I met my beautiful wife who's here with me today. I married the most amazing woman on earth. Sorry, ladies, you might be second. (laughs) But she's first. But we fell in love in Bible college, we, and we fell in love actually doing weekly street evangelism together. Uh, we'd go out every Friday, and people used to make fun of us. They'd say, oh, yeah, you're going evangelizing. Yeah. We're like, yeah, we really are, though. <laughs> but so we got engaged, and then we went on a two-week missions trip together to the nation of Germany. Um, and it was just an amazing two weeks. It was funny, because when we first got there, the pastor who had invited us to come... He had, he had just gone through a very discouraging time. And so we get there. He sits down the team and he says, basically, listen, don't expect anyone to get saved. This is not America. And I kind of laughed because I already led someone to Jesus at the train station outside the airport. <laughs> so it really didn't affect my faith very much. But this two weeks was absolutely powerful. Like, long story short, I mean, kids were having visions. They were being healed. They were running and telling their friends. Muslim kids from Turkey were, were, were accepting Jesus. I mean, just, it was amazing. So, so in this two-week period, about 60 young people came to Jesus in this small town in Germany. They got me, like, these kids, when they came to Jesus, they told everyone. That's, that's how it started. These first 12 that came to Jesus told everyone. They got me invited to a public school to preach the gospel. It was absolutely amazing. So at the end of this two weeks, we sat down with the pastor who had invited us. And I basically said, so, so what's your follow-up plan? 
And he said, well, I didn't expect this to happen. <laughs> and his church was in a different city. So it's not like they could just go to his church. And there really was no evangelical church in this city. So we were just burdened. And we started praying. And we started praying. We said, God, send somebody. Dangerous prayer. So God spoke to us. And he said, you guys go. And, and the crazy thing is, okay, this was like in August, right? So God speaks to us. He says, you guys go. And he gives us a date. He says, you're going to go January 15th. You're going to go back. Okay, that, that's like a few months away. And we weren't even married, right? We were engaged. So we're like, well, first we've got to get married. So then we, we spent like two months planning our wedding, right? And, and we got married. And then we had like three months to try and raise a budget to live in Germany, which is like living in America. It's not cheap, right? So then we had three months to try and raise a budget. If you know anything about raising a budget to be a missionary, it takes more than three months. But the good thing is, is that I had been a Christian for all of like four years at that point. So I knew like four pastors I could call. So that was the good thing. So I called them and then I'm like, I don't know what else to do. I'll just sit here and wait and see what happens, I guess. So I'm praying and fasting the whole time. That's all I knew. That's all I knew to do. Right. And people would come to us, people we love and respect. And they'd be like, listen, what you guys are trying to do is impossible. Like slow down, you know, take a couple of years, raise a budget, go on, go on January 15th in two years. Cause they didn't have a word. Right. And I, I appreciate their concern. I'm pretty sure there was like a prayer change set up for us to come to our senses. <laughs> but man, we had a word. That's all I had was a word. And I had to come to the place where I said, listen, I could be wrong. Like, I know I could hear wrong. I'm, I'm not perfect. I could hear wrong, but I would rather. And, and the thing is, if I was wrong, I would have fallen on my face. And that's what they were all concerned about. Right. If, if I was wrong, I would have failed. So I said, I would rather, I would rather fail by trying to follow God's voice than fail by ignoring it. So I said, we're going January 15th. We had not one promise of support, but after our wedding, we had enough money in our bank account to buy one way plane tickets. We bought one way plane tickets for January 15th. Three weeks before we were supposed to leave, we still had nothing. Okay. At this point, I'm like, okay, God, I have no idea how you're going to do this. Um, I, I don't have anywhere else I can look. I, it just has to be you. So I'm on my knees praying and fasting this one day, just the whole day in, in my in-laws basement, just on my knees, on my face, praying and fasting. And, uh, and that evening, everybody called me. Someone called me from Germany or sent me an email from Germany said, we have an apartment you can live in. So people call me from America. We want to support you with this much a month. We want to support you with this much a month. We want to support you with this much a month. One pastor called me and said, I talked to my board. We feel like God wants us to support you, us to support you at a thousand dollars a month. This is an AG church and I was an independent missionary. I've never heard of that. A thousand dollars a month to the point where someone came to the house the next day and said, God came to me in a dream last night and told me to give you twelve hundred dollars. Okay, God was coming to people in dreams. <laughs> and I remember looking after that 24-hour period, after that one day, and I remember looking at our budget and saying, we're good. Okay, God, you didn't hear that. God raised our entire budget to live in Germany in a day. 
<laughs> following Jesus is fun. Okay. If you think following Jesus is boring, you're doing it wrong. I'm serious. So we lived in Germany for four and a half years, never once even came close to running out of money. Four and a half years. We planted a church in Germany in, in that town where we started. We, we got a room. That's another list of miracles that I don't have time to tell you. I'm good. Okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want it to turn into a hostage situation though. So I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll tell one testimony real quick. So we started praying in Germany. We started praying and uh, we asked God to give us a room. And, uh, and so we were thinking in like a few months, he'd give us a room. So that week, a room opens up on the, on the train station and we're like, okay, God, we can't deny that, that that's you. So, so even though we're not ready, we'll go ahead and rent it. So then we rent the room and we look inside and we're like, and it was like a nice cafe type setup. And, but we looked inside and we're like, man, we need at least $15,000 to get this ready to open. And so I looked at my bank account and I'm like, okay, I got three. <laughs> so I need 15. I got three. And so I just started praying. And then that week, God told me, he said, send $1,000 to this missionary. In and I said, okay, God, thank you. Yes, yes, Jesus. I went instantly. I went online. I sent the $1,000. I told Hillary. She was like, yeah, that's fine. Go ahead. Right? So, so we give this $1,000. Then I got 2000 Within one month, okay, everything we needed came. I had never had a month like that in my life. In one month, everything we needed came in to get the room totally renovated and totally ready. And then after that month, once the room was totally finished, I look at my bank account and now instead of 2000, I have 5000 in my bank account. Yeah, God is good, man. I could tell testimony after testimony after testimony. But God is amazing. God is amazing. So, we planted this church in Germany and uh and and then God started speaking to us about about 2 years ago. He started speaking to us about the future about just the, the bigger picture of ministry in our lives. And so a year ago, I actually moved back from Germany. We, pl- we passed the church off to a German pastor in Germany. They're still going strong. And I moved back to America to take over a ministry called Global Renewal. That's the ministry that I'm running now. And, uh, and, and this past year, like if you think that five years that I talked about was exciting, that... I mean, that feels like a desert season compared to what's happening this year. I mean, God is just blowing my mind with what he's doing all over the world this year. We've already been overseas several times. I've been in Kenya, um, Uganda, and it's just amazing to see what God is doing. We got to do a project for girls rescued from sex trafficking in northern India. We set up an education center for them. We're going to be planting this church in Uganda. The most exciting thing that, that I want to share with you is, is what's happening in, in a small nation in southern Asia. Um, that I shouldn't say the name um, because we're on Facebook Live, but it was happening in a, in a small country in southern Asia. It's, it's just been absolutely amazing. I went there for, for the first time two years ago, and I, I didn't know what I was going into. I just knew God told me to go. So I called my friend in, in, in India, and I said, listen, do you know anyone in this country? Um, I, I need to go. And he said, yeah, I'll set you up. So I go up, and I see the guy who's picking me up from the airport, and it turns out I already know him. <laughs> I had met him in India a year earlier 
and it's a young guy. And so God had called him back to this country to start planting churches. And we started talking and we started just dreaming together and realized we had like the exact same vision of what we wanted to do in this country. So we said, let's do it together. So I began to mentor him and train him every week on Skype. Right. And so I would just, we, we'd meet every week. I went there, we did some evangelism. Some of his neighbors got saved within a few months. His small group that was just like his family and a couple other people meeting in his living room grew to over 50 people in a couple months, jammed in his living room. And so he called me one week and he's like, brother, I don't know what to do. I can't invite anyone else. (laughs) My living room is full. Right. So he said, I said, yeah, you're right, man. We got, we got to move quicker than we expected. So, so we're going to, we're going to plant a church. We're going to get the building ready. This was in February. I said, in April, I'm going to come. The building's going to be ready and I'm going to come and we're going to launch your church. So I want to show you a picture of the opening service of, of that church this past April. <laughs> what you can't see is everyone outside who couldn't fit in the building who's looking in the windows. There was about 700 people who showed up to the opening service of this church. And, and, and when the other, these other independent pastors have seen what God's doing and they say, we want to be a part of this. We want to come in a network with you guys. So now a network is forming in this country. And we have a, just a lot of vision, a lot of, of strategy to really aggressively plant churches in this unreached country. So that's, to me, the most exciting thing because it's developing so quickly. Uh, things are happening. We're actually getting ready to start businesses in this country to help fund the, the movement that, that's starting. Because my heart in missions, I want to see self-sustaining indigenous movements spring up all over the world. That's what I want to see. So I want to see movements that are, that are led by indigenous people, that are funded by indigenous money. That in a few years, I can kind of step back and say, run with it. (laughs) I'm here if you need me. So that's what I want to see. So we're actually, if you go to the next slide. There should be another one. Okay, that's another church that we're getting ready to launch. But go to the next slide. So this is, this is a, a land that we have in this country that we're actually getting ready, uh, God willing, to start a goat farm on. That's going to be a pretty good-sized goat farm. It's going to create a lot of income that we can plant a lot of churches throughout this country, do crusades, do all the stuff that we need to do from the income of this goat farm. So it, it's just exciting what God is doing around the world. Um, we're getting ready in, in January, God willing, to go launch a church in Kenya, um, in, in Mombasa. So uh, it's just exciting to see what God is doing. And, and I know I need to close. So if you have any other questions, you can stop by the table on the way out. I'm happy to answer any questions you have about the ministry. We have some stuff you can pick up. Like I said, I have my CD. Um, I have business cards. I have newsletters. I have a newsletter sign-up list. Um, I also have these. You're on top of it. See, I told you. I also have these partnership promise cards. If you're interested in being involved long-term in what God is doing through Global Renewal, pick one of these up and pray how he would have you partner with us. There's, there's three options. There's, there's through prayer, there's financial, and there's even possibly going on a trip in the future. So pick one of these up, pray about how God would have you be involved personally, and I'd be happy to answer any questions that you have on the way out. God is good. <laughs> I'm serious. If you think being a Christian is boring, you're doing it wrong. 
Listen, as we close today, as the worship band comes and they're going to start playing some music. I just want to give you the opportunity. If you're here today, you know, I talked about in that spoken word, that thirst. Um, and I believe everyone, personally, I believe everyone on earth is born with that thirst. Right? That longing for something more. And we try to fulfill it in different ways, right? We, some people try to fulfill it with, with money or with, with their family, or they think a spouse or, or a significant other will fulfill them, right? They think, if I just get that next promotion, then, then it'll be good. If I, just get, if I just get that next raise, it'll be good. If I could just live in that house, if I could just drive that car, if I could just have this and that, whatever, it'll be good, right? And so we, we try to fulfill this thirst in different ways. Me, I tried to fulfill it in drugs, There's a story in the Bible where Jesus walks up to a Samaritan woman. I was talking to someone about this story this morning. Um, and it's, it's a story in the Bible where Jesus walks up to a Samaritan woman who's sitting in a well. And he walks up to her and he says, give me something to drink. And she doesn't even give him something to drink. She just questions him, right? And, she, and, and he says, listen, if you knew the gift of God and who it was who says to you, give me something to drink. You would have asked him and he would have given you living water. He says, whoever drinks of this water, the water of the well will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. I've known Jesus for nine years. I met Jesus nine years ago. And I can honestly tell you, I can stand in front of all of you today and tell you. That since that day, I have never been thirsty again. Listen, nothing in this world can quench that thirst. I've tried everything. Nothing in this world can quench that thirst. Except a relationship with Jesus where you truly lay down your life. And you say, Jesus, it's, it's not just God, I, I want to know about you. It's Jesus, here's my life take my life. I want to know you. I want to, I want to live with you. I want to go your way. I want to see what you have. And if you'll come to Jesus in that way today, it is amazing what he will do in your life. Can we all just stand to our feet as we, as we get ready to close in prayer. Hmm. Father, I just thank you for who you are, God. God, I pray that you would just move in this room right now across every, every single person who's sitting here. Father, if there's anyone here who is thirsty, who doesn't know you, that you would even just now, as I pray, begin to reveal your love to those people, Father. Begin to show yourself to those people, God. Move in this place, Jesus. Listen, with every, every head bowed and every eye closed, it doesn't matter how you came in this place this morning. You don't have to leave thirsty. I don't care if you've been living the, the worst life you can imagine for, for the past 20 years. You don't have to leave thirsty. I don't care if you've been playing the Christian game and been in church for 20 years but never truly surrendered to Jesus. You don't have to leave thirsty. 
Jesus is here. The Bible says, the last promise in the entire Bible, in the last book of Revelation says, let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who desires take of the water of life without price. If you're here today and you're thirsty, I want to give you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus this morning and experience that living water for yourself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.